Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you listening? Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus Murray from Black, Married, and Debt Free. And yes, you have heard correctly. Shira Murray and I have decided to step out into the podcast world to share with you some really, really dope content. For those of you who do not follow us on our YouTube channel, shameless plug, Shira and I are a 30-something millennial couple that paid off over $110,000 in debt in 2017. And we are passionate about sharing exactly how we did that with others. In this episode, Shira and I sit down and have a conversation about exactly whose responsibility it is to teach financial literacy. Is it the parent's job? Our school systems, communities, or religious institutions? You're going to be surprised by our answer. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Black, Married, and Debt-Free podcast. Yeah. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And we are here for another episode of the Black, Married, and Debt-Free podcast. And, and Shira, I have a question for you. You know I love to ask you questions and pick your brain. Um, <laughs> she rolls her eyes, everybody. But so, Sharon, my question is: Whose responsibility is it to teach financial literacy? Um, and is it the parents' responsibility to teach their children? Is it our teachers' responsibility to teach our our young adults and kids in school? Uh, is it the institutions' responsibility to teach young adults? You know, is it our our religious institutions? Is it their responsibility to teach? financial literacy to adults you know you have a lot of people that take us for example we didn't we weren't as astute financially as we are now but we had to in our late 20s you know kind of figure this thing out and so that raises the question for me who is responsible is it an individual's responsibility to just learn on their own i mean what's your take on that so i think that that's a really great question and it's a question that is not posed as often as it should and I think to make sure that we're on the same page about financial literacy that we just take a moment to define it and so the definition that we'll use is financial literacy is the ability to understand and apply financial concepts to the management of one's own finances contributing to their financial wellness and security and so the key words that stick out to me, and there may be some different words for you, was number one is the ability to understand. So that means you have the capacity to understand these financial concepts. And then not only that, the second word is apply. So that refers to action. Right. So I'm going to act on what I know. And so as a general thought when it comes to financial literacy is number one, people cannot give you what they do not have. So if they do not know something, they cannot teach. So one of the things you brought up was parents. And I think that that saying you can't give what you don't have really applied to many parents. 
Many parents were never taught by their parents or their parents' parents who may have gone through many social uh, experiences, challenges. challenges, the Great Depression, different things that they were just trying to survive. So that knowledge hasn't been passed down. And many things in our community are passed down orally. Right. But unfortunately, this is one thing that has not been passed down in such a way. The other thing is parents have children who go to school and many children are in after school programs. And so the parents don't pick up the kid till after they are done with work, which could be 530, 6 o'clock. Tired. They're tired. You know, they have to come home and cook and look at the homework and just may not have the time. It's not that they don't have the desire. You know, they just flat out don't have the time. Then we look at the schools. Well, you have the child for seven hours a day. Why are we not teaching financial literacy in our schools? Then you talked about religious Religious institutions. institutions. Mm -hmm. Our churches. I'm going to church, and many churches uh, teach a doctrine called tithing, which is you give 10% of your income to the church. But if you can tell me what to do with the 10%, what about the 90%? Are we talking about the 90? And I know many churches are not talking about the 90. And then he said, well, is it just our responsibility? Is it our responsibility to say, you know what? I don't know very much about financial literacy. I need to educate myself and take the time to do that. And then the question is, well, if I want to educate myself, where do I start? Who do I listen to? So many people have made their careers, marketing, tips, <laughs> to tell people what to do. strategies. And then if you really are listening, you'll see that some of these tips and strategies, you know, from one person doesn't line up with what somebody else is saying and it doesn't line up with what somebody else is saying. And right. it's like, well, who do you believe? Right. Those are great points. <laughs> I just said a lot, didn't I? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think what's cool about that, though, Shy, is that it's almost like this is a this is becoming a new thing. And when I say this, I'm, I'm talking about financial literacy is, is, is this is kind of like the first generation of that. Right. Because specifically for African-Americans, um, like how you said, they're coming. Our parents and our parents, parents are coming from a position of survival, you know, so they weren't able to pass down what they didn't have. And but because they were they put their blood, sweat and tears, they positioned us in, a little bit better. So then now. We're in a position to where, you know, we're a little bit better off. We're not we're not starting from the from the mud, as they say. Right. So we're starting at a different level and we're setting our kids up on a better level. So now we can pass down some literacy, some financial uh, wherewithal to our kids because we are experiencing. We're having better experiences financially that. So now we're able to pass on that to our kids. You know, that's the goal. Yeah. And I think that even. And I think that a lot of what you're saying is true, but I do want to point out that it could be an overgeneralization or an oversimplification because some of us who are in our age brackets and, you know, we're millennials, some of us are not doing as well as our parents are doing. Yeah, statistics show that for sure. 
you know. So sure. I think it's a trade off. However, the opportunity. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're in we're in the information age, right? Where our parents necessarily weren't. Right. The opportunity mm-hmm. is there. The opportunity is there for sure. And also, it's become highly popularized, mm-hmm. which I think that's what you're saying. That you have these movements, you have these, you know, debt-free community, or you have uh, the FIRE, financial independence. Retire early. Retire early. Thank you, baby. Um, You have these different movements that are happening that are really empowering people. And I think that now is the perfect time for us to be empowered because for so many years, we have been disempowered. Right. You know, when you were... uh, sharing those movements there there's another movement i think you left out the black mary debt free movement yes <laughs> you know we gotta slide you know gotta slide that out there because no. that means something absolutely that means something yeah. yeah definitely did you know most of your favorite entertainers gurus and entrepreneurs have life coaches well we combine our financial knowledge uc davis coaching certification and experience paying off six figures worth of debt to assist couples in taking their finances to the next level to schedule a coaching call email us at blackmarrieddebtfree at gmail.com or direct message us on any of our social media platforms i might have a conspiracy theory okay i'm I'm big on that (laughs) okay but okay maybe i don't know but i'm thinking that everything is by design It is by design that youth are not learning financial literacy in schools. But I will say this, that though in our family, we didn't talk a whole lot about money. In some families, in some cultures, it is happening. Yes. And the way that I know that it's happening is that there wouldn't be these huge racial divides if our upbringing was the exact same as theirs. If they were receiving the same knowledge and opportunities. So seeing that youth are not being taught financial literacies in school. You have to think about the results of that, which for many of us, including myself, is irresponsible use of debt, you know, poor credit score as a result of that, um, low net worth. The conspiracy theory or an idea that I'd like to share is that I really feel that it's by design. It's by design that financial literacy isn't taught in schools. And I say that because people will profit from ignorance. People profit from other people not being knowledgeable, right? And the idea that, yes, as Marcus and I shared many times, you know, we really didn't talk a lot about money in our household. But at some dinner tables, somebody is saying something. Right. Because certain demographics of people are doing better than others. Certain demographics of people are in the market more so than other demographics. And there's a study that says, you know, the trajectory of black wealth is projected to be zero in the year 2053. Well, why is that for black families? No other families. We're going to the same schools. The schools have been desegregated. We're sitting with the same teachers. So how come we've fallen behind? That's deep. So So you're saying it's an inside job. (laughs) Absolutely. Because. Well, and one thing, I'm sorry to cut you off, but one thing about the African-American community is we have comedians. I love comedians. But a comedian will get on stage and tell everything about the the dynamics of black family. 
the dynamics of our conversations. The and good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the <laughs> ugly. And they have a fan base that's not just black people. So we have let the world in on our kitchen conversations, right. our tabletop conversations, where other cultures don't do that. We don't know what some of these other cultures talk about because they don't they don't tell. And so I think that further drives my thought to say that, you know, maybe they are talking about something. And Shai, what you said is really, it could get even deeper because in its simplest form, a, a, a person will benefit. There's someone benefiting off of us being financially irresponsible. I mean, it's just that simple. The guy who is, is owns the Fortune 500 company that, uh, that, that you can't stop spending your money at he's benefiting from your neglect financially you know so it's it's that simple and then if you really even want to get deeper people want to start getting people start becoming enlightened so now that businessman no longer is is getting rich off of people spending their money frivolously but now another businessman is getting building his empire on teaching financial literacy and that's no shade to anyone, <laughs> but there, if you really even look at it, even the people who are now coming in the know, that could, that also all of a sudden becomes big business. So this is, is this whole thing, you know, is it's about money. It's about money. This is all, you know, and, and money makes the world go around, you know, and you just kind of blew my mind with that conspiracy theory there, Shire. Uh But hopefully we didn't get too deep, deep for you guys. But yeah, I think you said some great things. Now, Shai, I want to address this to you. I want you to kind of. Our religious institutions. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, for those of you who don't know, we grew up in the African American church, Pentecostal church to be exact, born and raised. Uh, I believe, Shire, you were born on a on a church pew. Am I, am I right? <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, we don't share it, you know, we don't uh, beat you over the head with it, but we are Christians. We do attend church. And, Shire, what do you think the church, what could they have done to help you or help those that are attending church now? How can they help teach financial literacy at church? What, 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 what could they do? Yeah. And, you know, I think this is a tough topic, um, depending on your upbringing and your background. So for that reason, I will tread lightly. Yes. From my experience, you know, the church we, the church I attended. Marcus attended church down the street and around the corner. Surprisingly, um, you know they taught the doctrine of tithes that you should give ten percent of your income, and for me that is what I did for many many years. And as I've gotten older, I had to like really think about how come no one talks about investing or saving for a rainy day. In churches, at least in the church that I attended, I know that there are many churches with financial ministries and I applaud them. Thank you. We need it. But I know that looking back at my younger self, my 16, 17, 18 year old self, and I've worked since I was 16, that if a person would have said save for a rainy day or give 10% to the church and save 10% for yourself, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I would have done it. But I think that we put so much emphasis on the 10% that we don't discuss what to do with the 90%. And a lot of people say, or 
the Bible, give and it will be given back to you. Well, if it's given back to you, what are you going to do with the money that has been given back to you? We don't talk about that. And I feel that we don't talk about it because as long as the church gets their 10%, they have what they need to sustain. But many churches fail to neglect what the people need to sustain. And I don't want you leaving your church because it's something that we've said. And I could actually go deeper on this. I think we should probably have a separate uh, podcast really, really diving uh, deeper, deeper in this. And for me, I see the need, you, you know? know? So, yeah. And I think what it highlights is our institutions of religion, the, the influence they have. Yes. And, they have and influence. They have and influence. influence is power. Right. And so we just, you know, the churches that we grew up at, it would have been nice to maybe hear more about finance, uh, maybe have ministries dedicated to finance. And like Shire said, there are a lot of churches that are doing that. And that's great. Uh, I just it would be really great if more, you know, churches would do that. And I can't speak to other, um, you know, religions or, uh, you know, things like that. But it would really be nice because, you know, any person who affiliates with a religious organization that's a big part of their life right so it would really benefit that individual if those uh, religious organizations would also have a financial piece to their uh you know their their teaching and the church is made up of people right and so we can't look to the pastor to do everything that's right. a huge that's a job point. that's another good point that's a huge job and right. it takes many hands they say many hands make light work so if this is your passion, this could be something that you look into for your religious community or your local community, that you be the one to trailblaze, that you be the one to start the conversation. You know, because I think it becomes a terrible cycle of blame if we say, well, the preacher should have did this, my teacher should have did that. Right. At some point, my parents should have did, did it. You know, but at some point, we have to hold the mirror up to ourselves and say, you know what? We're woke now, okay? Right. Right. So now that we're woke, what will I do with this knowledge? Right. What will I do with it? What will be my contribution to improving my own financial literacy and that of those who are around me right and i think that brings us to our conclusion who is responsible to teach financial literacy this podcast just held up a mirror it's you <laughs> it's your responsibility to teach yourself financial literacy and to teach those that you come in contact with be it your family your friends and if we all do that man we get ourselves out of this 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 hole that we're in this a cycle that we're in you know so right. we wanted to share these few words just to encourage you that you are the change that you want to see you are that person that can teach financial literacy to your friends and family and those around you yeah i absolutely agree it is certainly all of our responsibility because when you know better you'll you do, do better. better all right y'all this has been marcus and shira from black mary dead free and we will holler at you guys later peace Yo, so we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. We hope that we said something that you can take away and apply. We are here to inform and to inspire. So do us a huge favor and rate this particular podcast on whatever platform you're streaming this. Rate this five stars, write great reviews, anything that you can do to help us. We really, truly appreciate it. All right. 
So for Black, Married, and Debt Free, this is Marcus Murray signing off. Until next time, all right? I'll let you guys later. Peace.